0: Today's episode, we get to talk about mental health of the Seafair with Dr. Ian Wallace, a licensed psychologist. Let me know what you think of this episode, and always prioritize your own mental health. You are listening to the Women Offshore podcast. I'm Christine McMillan, filling in for Ali Cedeno while she is on maternity leave. I'm an experienced mariner and the program coordinator here at Women Offshore. Women Offshore is a 501c3 nonprofit organization supporting a diverse workforce on the water. New episodes of the Women Offshore Podcast are available every Tuesday. Subscribe on whatever platform you like to listen to podcasts on and be in the know about the latest topics related to diversity, equity, and inclusion within the maritime and offshore industries. Be inspired by the stories shared here. Thank you to the OGGN for their continuous support as our podcast producer. They have the best energy shows on their network. Hello and welcome to the Women Offshore Podcast. Today I have with us Dr. Ian Wallace from the California State University Maritime Academy. and I'm excited to learn from him and hear what he has to say about his DEI Council and moving the needle towards gender equality so dr ian wallace thank you so much for being here please introduce yourself tell us a little bit about your background and your education and let us get to know you a little bit more
1: hi everyone hi christine thank you for having me i'm really excited to be here Um, in terms of my background first i'll just share a little bit personally and then i'll jump in professionally but i'm originally from new jersey i grew up there was raised there by my parents who still some of them still live there now i've got a sister and my grandparents actually grew up or were from out of state. And so my mom's side is from the Midwest. My father's side was in the army and he grew up uh, overseas. And so I come from, you know, different parts. I identify as white, male, cisgender, heterosexual. My pronouns are he, him. And I'm currently married and I've got two kids and live in the Bay Area. Professionally in my education, I did go to school growing up and then I went to a state school and studied psychology and I've always been in psychology as a psychologist by training and I started off my interests just being curious about why people do what they do and then a good friend of mine gave me a book by Carl Jung a famous psychoanalyst who came after Freud and I read that and he knew a little bit more about me than maybe I did and it just sparked the interest I got into college studied psychology but it wasn't until I studied abroad in Newcastle England that I really got kind of a, a interest in not just travel but kind of curiosity, intellectual curiosity, because I grew up as an athlete. I was more interested in playing sports and being active. But this part started to emerge when I came back from study abroad and got serious about education my senior year. Went then, applied to grad school, followed a marriage and family therapy master's degree program in Southern California, where I wanted to continue my, you know, this pursuit. And in psychology, definitely a master's degree or doctoral degree are required to kind of really practice, certainly for licensure, but to really find you know, jobs that would open up doors. So that felt necessary, wanted to travel, incurred some debt, but continued on. And one of some of the formative experiences were working in an inpatient psychiatric facility. So I wanna pause there and say, as I'm talking, you can tell there's not much maritime background, although that's coming shortly. And so I I have broad interests, was interested in psychology in lots of ways, pursued a doctoral degree in Richmond, Virginia, at Virginia Commonwealth University, started to make college counseling my area of expertise, but also had a strong public health focus. I did some sports psychology, again, broad interests, and that was a real good foundation for training as I furthered my training at Fresno City College at UC Berkeley as a postdoctoral fellow, and then eventually ended up living in Vallejo, where the California State University Maritime Academy is located, unbeknownst to me at the time, but looking for jobs in the area, and with a broad interest and lots of different skills, kind of a breadth over depth, I was a good fit. And I think when the job came up, I applied, but there was something, there was a glitch or some sort, to use some, some of my kids' language, and then a year later, they called me back and said, hey, the position's open again, we think you'd be a great candidate. Would you apply? Yes, please. That was 10 years ago. And that's kind of how I ended up at Maritime.
0: Wow. So you have a ton of education under your belt and like a really, like you said, a breadth of information in, in your pockets to share with us. So what's your role at the Academy now that you've been there for 10 years? What do you do there? And, and how are you helping change the diversity and equity and inclusion culture on campus?
1: Great. No, happy to speak to this. Let me just start by saying my main role is the director of counseling services. So counseling and psychological services is now not just a one person center. When I started, it was just me. I was the only licensed mental health professional integrated with health services, providing mental health service to the cadets. Some support to faculty and staff. But My services are exclusively or almost exclusively for cadets. At this point in time, we do have a small staff. And so for the first time ever there will be two full-time counselors myself included starting this fall as well as a part-time counselor who works remote so we're 2.5 as it's called so my primary role is to direct the counseling center which includes providing counseling usually individual counseling but also supervising staff with that i can say a little bit so in addition to the individual counseling there's group counseling there's workshops there's trainings that i deliver for student leaders including our residence hall officers doing trainings on the training ship as well. I've been underway during a summer in 2014. It's about time I go back. But I also hire for the cruise counselors that we have every summer cruise as part of the medical team on in sickbay. So very pleased to have them there. And that's kind of the bulk. So that's the primary role. But I do many other things. For instance, I used to chair in the DEI realm. I was the co-chair And then sole chair of the Unity Council, which is the precursor name to our DEI Council now. And so really the sole staff, faculty, and some students group that was aimed at improving and analyzing diversity on campus in many ways, from race, gender, class, sexual orientation, ability, status, and others. And so that was really rich work and i just want to back up and say one quick thing i came in with some again breadth of experience exposure to multicultural training sensitivity cultural humility but it wasn't until i saw the need on campus that i really lived into that role and it was some colleagues dr napoli Kamdar for one and others who really saw potential and encouraged me and provided opportunities to kind of take on some greater leadership role and I've just kind of flourished with that. I'm one of the founding members of our Gender Equity Council, which is part of the faculty union. I led a separate group on advancing gender equity. With that was so We're part of the California State University system, and this was an effort as part of that system. There are other things. I've written most recently a grant for our recent and first-time inclusion center. It's an affinity kind of space on campus for the first time. We're very proud to have that. And I recently was awarded a President's Mission Achievement Grant to promote and train the student equity leaders that will be staffing the center. So I'll pause there and say I do a bunch of other things in addition to counseling, and they really intersect. And so counseling, I take a multicultural approach, and they inform both roles or multiple roles. They seem to inform each other.
0: Wow, it's, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job of really supporting the student population there at Cal Maritime. So thank you for your... Your awesome service. And I'm interested to hear about your research that you've done or surveys that you conducted. Can you share any of those findings?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So one of the strengths I came into with all this education has to do with data analysis, uh, research, so I better apply it, not just kind of deliver counseling, which is important as well. So part of those efforts have been to be what's called the principal investigator or co-principal investigator on a number of health surveys throughout my time here. And primarily, one is called the National College Health Assessment and we've conducted this here even before my time, as early as 2011, 2016, 18 and 21. Those are health surveys that students complete anonymously and provide feedback from you know physical health, mental health, social well-being, a number of factors. And I've been crucial in administering it, collecting the data, analyzing it, developing presentations, and informing the campus community, including, especially student leaders, so that they know. Kind of what their fellow, what's the lay of the land, what's the scope, and so there's some really important data that come out of those surveys, especially when it comes to race, gender, and mental health. And so I can, if I can summarize just briefly, some of the trends when we, and we, we do have really good response rates, so I do trust these data. Sometimes I guess I, I say that out loud because sometimes there are critiques and mistrust of some of the results. But you know, coming from a background, I do feel like. The number of times we've done this corroborating information it's reliable information so some of these conclusions involve there are some mental health disparities or differences based along gender lines particularly when you see female identified and non-binary identified cadets on campus reporting higher rates whether it's of depression anxiety as well as gender-based violence from things such as unwanted touching stalking harassment assault and these are important to know about because not only just for the sake of knowing, but to act on. And that's where the work with the Gender Equity Committee, in counseling, or just every, to be honest, every opportunity there is to kind of be an advocate, to step up. And so certainly I do that in counseling to affirm and validate cadets' experiences when they do feel that they're in distress or there's harm done to them in some form or fashion, but beyond counseling as well when applicable. So certainly, I preserve confidentiality and privacy, and that is crucial and important to making counseling accessible to everyone. But simultaneously, there are times when you need to kind of speak up, and whether that's with the student's permission to write a letter, advocate for an accommodation, accompany them or support them in a conduct review process, even editing statements at times. There are multiple ways that we can be advocates for our our cadets, not just a counselor like myself, but all of us on campus who want to see equitable outcomes when it comes to their lived experience on campus.
0: And you're really working hard to educate so many people on how to do that, which is a great service that you're providing, not just counseling of a person or advocacy for a victim, but you know, really trying to educate the student body and the student leaders on what they can do to to move the needle a little bit, is that right?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think in some ways that's the where the greatest potential is and i think we can't lose sight of kind of the power that students have and and as you know as generally younger people young adults it's important to for us as staff members to provide the encouragement the opportunity the hopefulness that they can you know enact that power feel it and kind of and move the needle and push for change in ways and some of those efforts include i mean i've seen some serious mobilizations on campus that have been impressive when it comes to things that they don't feel are support as supportive of their rights and well-being as it could be whether it has to do with housing whether it has to do with uniform standards responding to incidents of discrimination bias or even hate the students have really stepped up but they need that they need the support from faculty and staff And so absolutely, that's crucial.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So what's your vision of the future look like for the maritime industry?
1: When I think about the industry generally, you know, my perspective is quite uh, somewhat limited in terms of the training experience and the academy environment. So I don't want to speak too broadly because I don't think my perspective is that informed. But when it comes to what I see coming through the pipeline, at least at the academy and here in California, maybe a little different from some of the others, but I do see generational changes among young people. And it's not just my own perspective, but this is the analysis of data, not just local data, but national data that show attitudes and perspectives changing, especially when it comes to gender and sexuality. It's also true of race. It's also true of ability status. Labor rights is a current kind of resurgent issue that I think young people are also attuned to. So I think that there are progressive and kind of attitudes and beliefs among young people that are really forcing companies to take a hard look. And I've been involved in different conversations in in industry and at the academy where I do hear people and I listen, I'm a big fan of Women Offshore podcast and I hear the conversations here and elsewhere. And so I feel that this is part of the change. Now that said, I do see, and as I've come to know the maritime industry and environment over the years, in different perspectives, change does seem a little bit slower and gradual at times in certain sectors. I mean, the maritime industry is so diverse, so I don't want to overgeneralize, but there are certain times and especially in any environment, work environment that's remote and removed from contact with diverse perspectives that usually can be a challenging space to for changes or information to have an effect. So it's going to be different across different parts of the industry, but the young people definitely with attitudes that are different seem to be effective.
0: Yeah. I agree with you that the maritime industry does seem always slower to adapt and adopt to new, whatever you want to call it, but it's always a little bit slower. And so the uh, you know, it's good that this new generation coming in behind us is going to be making big waves within the industry. It's just going to take time. It's going to be a slow process and, I think we're all excited for the change to be a more equitable equitable industry and environment for everyone to feel supported and valued out at sea. So I think that's great. What's your advice that you have for young mariners? Or like, let's just use an example of a new officer that you see graduating from Cal Maritime and joining a ship for the first time as an officer.
1: No, it's a great question. Part of my work can sometimes involve career counseling with graduating, you know, seniors and this comes up frequently. So the first thing as I was thinking about this question really is to express the message that to the individual and I'll talk systemically in a second, but that you earned it, you earned it, you deserve it, you belong, like really kind of stand in that place that you have achieved and kind of try to feel that as much as possible. Certainly with support, again, back to the encouragement, but just, just a reminder that you're not there by chance. This wasn't just given to you, you know, and especially when I'm talking to, you know, racial minority students, this wasn't this isn't any type of affirmative action. And I, I say that to combat different messages that folks can sometimes get. And, and for women, non-binary students too, like dispel those myths, affirm your your worth. Uh, that's the first message. The second one has to do with, you know, when you get there, there's going to be so many decision making. And, and the beginning can be very overwhelming with so much is new and there's so many choice points and everything feels like, you know, big decisions when they're new or every decision when they're new can feel big. And so I guess to guide you there, your compass can be live with integrity, live with dignity. You make choices that are consistent with your core values as best you can. It's hard to do that independently. Again, can't help but keep coming back to the importance of social support, you know, mentorship, whether that's family, friends, but also your your crew out there, your family, you know, with on the vessel. Uh, Hopefully, you can find folks you can trust and connect with. Now, one other couple other points quickly. Also, simultaneously, proceed with caution. There are risks, especially for some, you know, cadets more than others or new professionals. Excuse me. I think it's prudent to just proceed with caution. It doesn't mean shy away or isolate, it has its own, that's its own negative effects, but I think caution is prudent. Lastly, be cognizant of the environment you're in. I know and I've heard on the podcast every vessel can be quite different, companies can vary a lot, and the, the environment you're in can have an effect not just a direct effect in terms of the relationships, but just the norms and the culture and what's expected. Those type of things, the more you're exposed to it, will have an effect and can seep into your own behavior in some form or fashion. Same is true of being a cadet or any really work or environment you live and work in. So be mindful of that. And lastly, I guess I said this before, but cultivate, find and cultivate mentors, especially for women, you know, and students or professionals of color. I think that's more important than ever. Here it comes to mind, the Organization of Black Maritime Graduates, I just want to say, Captain Robert Cook has been a wonderful mentor of mine. And that's an incredible organization. So find your mentors. And I think that's going to be uh, beneficial in many ways. So that's a couple quick points of advice.
0: Thank you, doctor. And you mentioned core values. I know in my 20s, I really struggled with understanding what my core values were. And I think I had too many, right? I thought everything was important. So then nothing became important. Can you give us some guidance on how we really determine what our core values are. Is there like a test we can take or someone we can talk to that can help us with
1: that? No, that's a great question. I think when you, when thinking about core values, I think one of the first places to return to is, is family. If you're your family of origin, who you grew up with, kind of what those key people who influenced you were, what they stood for, and do some of that self-awareness, self-examination, and kind of see what you've inherited. And Generally, I think one of the processes of development can be identifying what you want to keep and what you want to let go of. And I think the core values that you want to keep can be part of that guiding principle. Simultaneously, I think in conversation, like we're not isolated individual beings, we're social beings. And I think we gather self-awareness, not just from our own reflection and insight, but from others who we trust. So open yourself up to feedback. How do others see you? What do they see as your strengths? I referenced earlier, my good friend gave me that psychology book when I was young. He had more awareness than I did of that interest that I of mine. So I think that's true for others. And I encourage others to be open and vulnerable with those you trust, to understand what your values are. If you want to meet with a professional, there definitely are out there. I know that depending on the vessel it can be hard to connect or maybe unavailable at times, but there are professionals who can provide the, the environment, the support, to do the reflection. And even there are some different values measures that you can, that some may be able to provide to.
0: And thank you to telehealth. You know, the last couple of years have really opened up that realm of being able to seek out people that are able to talk to you virtually, right? And you don't have to go to an office anymore to talk to a counselor, which is an amazing resource that I've used. And I really encourage anyone out at sea if they are, you know, questioning themselves or need, you know, any sort of support see what resources are available. And lastly, I just wanted to say, if anyone wants to learn more or connect with you personally, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Sure, absolutely, I'm happy to field any interests, and I'll be responsive. The best way is to check out the CAPS website, CAPS being Counseling and Psychological Services at Calmaritime, that's csum slash CAPS, or if you just Google CAPS, Calmaritime, you'll find our site. There's lots of helpful information. To reach me personally, I wallace at csum.edu. That's also on the CAPS website. And just kind of search in the Cal Maritime page, you'll find me as well. I'm also on LinkedIn. That's another place you can you can locate. me.
0: Great. Thank you so much for sharing your details. And do you have anything else to add or share with our community today?
1: I guess also the one thing I, I neglected to say, but would like to add is a lot of my work has been destigmatizing mental health treatment. And particularly among male identified cadets and just people in general. I belong to multiple organizations, one of which the American Psychological Association has a division that studies men and masculinities. And so over the years, that's been a focus of mine. And one is to destigmatize, increase access to counseling for men for multiple reasons. One, because men are experiencing mental health concerns such as depression, anxiety, substance use, and others, especially younger people in general, also at higher rates uh, than previous generations. And so it's important to kind of receive the treatment and make it accessible. But simultaneously in the maritime industry, there's real opportunity for men to grow and develop their emotional intelligence in a way that not only benefits their fellow crewmates, but can make them better leaders, can make them better professionals, and just lead to a more enriching and fulfilling career, as well as relationships across the board. And so that's been one of the things, and we've seen in my time, in my effort, a real increase in the use. And I guess as it comes to gender-based violence, we do see in male, I think it's important to share as well, in male-dominated environments or majority male environments, there are higher rates of sexual harassment and assault among men as well in these environments. And that's true here based on the data. And so I definitely incorporate that focus in my holistic approach to caring for the needs of Cal Maritime. So I thought that's that was a
0: good that's really important because we don't talk about that enough. That you know, here at Women Offshore, especially, we really focus on the female perspective and the female experience at sea. But I mean, the statistic I know is one in six men are assaulted, and i mean it's probably even higher at sea. And so, you know, it does need to be brought to the surface and discussed more. And I'm so glad that you're doing the hard work of letting men know that they can ask for help and get help when they need it. And so thank you for for doing that for our community. And I just wanted to plug in here that Women Offshore does have our mentorship program because you did say it is such a, a critical part of growing your career and being successful. So if you do want more information about finding a mentor, you can go to the womenoffshore.org website and see what we have available there. We currently have over 200 mentors and mentees in our program just this year. And so it's a big and growing program and hopefully we can support you as well. Dr. Ian Wallace, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything that you're doing for Cal time for the industry at large. I hope that you get back out there on the training ship soon and get some some good sunsets and sunrises and thank you so much and I hope we get to talk again soon.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you again for having me.
0: Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. What did you think of the show? Leave a rating and review in an Apple Podcasts. Additionally, if you want to propel Women Offshore forward, please visit womenoffshore.org or womenoffshore.shop, make a donation, or purchase some swag. Until next time, stay safe out there, and I'll talk to you soon.